You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. Welcome to episode 313 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we have regular contributor, writer, activist, baker, and candlestick maker, Kitty Bell Burbank. Kitty Bell and I discuss Michael Pollan's book titled How to Change Your Mind. We talk about psychedelics and marijuana and cannabinoids. We talk about the anti-marijuana campaign and politicians making it seem against the limited scientific knowledge we do indeed have, like marijuana is a very dangerous thing. We discuss Mindy Kalin and the Mindy Project and misogyny. We talk about Nixon, of all people, rage against the machine, the direct connection to the divine, and several other interesting areas of discourse, too. Kitty Bell Burbank on today's program. We have an EWSA titled Incredible, a piece from The New Yorker written by Henry Alford titled Good Morning Moon, and an EW poem called Train. And of course, as is always the case, all of this will be imbued, infused with the energy of several great tunes. So nice to have you with us. Let's get to it. Episode 313 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours. Thank you. 
incredible. The years pass by, the months, the days, the hours pass by, the moments. And where am I? I walked to my office on a most recent Friday morning through a somewhat subtle corridor nestled on four sides by ornate architecture designed and built in the first half of the 20th century. I saw a fast food carton that at one time held tightly packed fried potato concentrate and slim sticks juxtaposed, I suppose, in a manner celebrating a few moments of basest taste bud delight. The carton left Spartan, setting solo in a doorway deep and arched overhead, enough to offer a respite from the early April rain. My umbrella, big and relatively expensive, as it was purchased in New York City's Port Authority, covered me quite nicely. As I continued out of the corridor across North Washington Avenue, past a cackle of nepotism, smoking cigarettes, in front of yet another administrative building. So many of these in this trumped-up town of favors and political fiasco, teeming in tribalistic contempt toward merit, listless with any notions of integrity. How long shall one attempt to wrestle with these sorts of people inside such an unhealthy culture? Maybe I am old and cynical, Maybe I hit my pinnacle as a social creature willing to work collectively. Maybe I have been sidetracked, or perhaps released to a deeper, higher place by too many sweet edibles. Incredible this all can be. What they 
Kitty Bell Burbank, do you have your headphones on? I do. <laughs> you sound wonderful with them on. No yeah. echo. No echo. Really? None at all? None. It's beautiful. So Just nice. the one in my own head. Yeah, well, I can't <laughs> do anything about that one. It's so nice to have you on Troubadours and Rock On Tours yet again. Yeah. She she is one of our longest-running regular contributors. Can't get rid of me. I don't want to. You're fantastic. Writer, <laughs> activist, baker, and candlestick maker, among other things. Kitty Bell Burbank. What's new, Kitty Bell? Um, I am just trying to finish up my last month of um, graduate school, which yeah. has taken over the last two years of my life, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. In a good way, in a very, in a, in the very best way. But um, yeah, I've got about four weeks uh, until actual graduation and then i have my final residency in may so looking forward to that that's exciting congrats yeah. congrats uh, and um i i know in between doing all of the uh the work necessary you know writing and crafting um you... yeah i've written more than 100 pages this semester yeah that's that's very impressive mm -hmm. you're also you continually read uh, other people's work, and um, I know you wanted to talk a bit about one of those uh, books you've delved into, uh, Michael Pollan's How to Change Your Mind, you wanted to get into. Yes, what and the new science of psychedelics teaches us about consciousness, dying, addiction, depression, and transcendence. What does it teach us and tell us about those things, the, the, yeah. the new science, as you put it? 
Right. I'm like on chapter two. (laughs) 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 So, um, but I, but I've already, even if you only read two chapters, you know, right now I'm on the, uh, the chapter where he goes to uh, Washington state to meet with like the mushroom expert, you know, of the world uh, to talk about psilocybin, but um, also other things. And he's really uh, digging into it's, it's very, I mean, this is very thoroughly researched material. Um, Sounds like fun. It is. Well, and it's the research. I mean, What's that? The research is probably pretty fun. It's it's really interesting. I mean, if you're interested in history and and then also, you know, just how things evolve socially and then, you know, when the government gets involved to regulate things, which is something that I think people need to look at, you know, why we're finally getting around to re-exploring, the, you know, the use of these psychedelics in, in a way that can help people. Well, um if it's not if it's not coming through uh you know big pharma then it's mm-hmm. it's like it's no good it's it's bad you're you know it's it's illegal uh it's unhealthy and that's bull right. oftentimes yeah we really need to take back control of our own health and well-being you know i think moving forward into the future i i hope to see you know generations after us really accomplishing that <laughs> in a more active way we kind of got bulldozed i think um and you know what you see with these these studies that they have is um people have the most significant spiritual experiences of their life you know and the fact that this book is called how to change your mind he's really looking at you know getting people unstuck you know we have problems serious problems in this country with addiction and depression and 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 people just not um feeling empowered you know about their own existence and and if we can go into you know with therapeutic guidance and and have experiences in a day <laughs> that can you know profoundly change us in a way that will make our lives better. Why aren't we doing that? I agree. I agree. I mean, there are folks that would lump all drugs that are illegal into one category and say, yeah, but you know, people are overdosing on that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it, it's not even, those are opioids, you know, that mm-hmm. we have our problems with. Uh, uh, but these are psychedelics. These are even things that are getting right. getting more. Uh, this is not a, a, a psychotropic drug, I don't believe, but uh, it is getting uh, almost uh, embraced by the majority of Americans. I'm talking about marijuana. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, more and more states are, as we all know, uh, making it legal for medical uses. I, I mean, it's close to 40 states, I think, have uh, maybe even more. Uh, medical uh, marijuana that's legal. And then you have more and more who are looking at recreational, uh, including our own state. You and I both live in Pennsylvania and the states around us, New York and New Jersey. Um, But still, all of that is often by certain folks put in the same category as uh, Oxycontin, as heroin, as cocaine, as, you know, some of the more severe in terms of uh, reaction and health effects and drugs. Right. Well, and those drugs are administered medically 
in hospitals. You know, when I had a, an operation three years ago, I was on Dilaudid or whatever uh, in the hospital afterwards. It was awful. I did not enjoy it. <laughs> uh, I wanted to get off of it as soon as I could. But, um, you know, we, we have no problem with that medical administration, you know. So, I don't know. I had a experience at uh, my part-time job this week where one of our elected officials came in uh, with a uh, flyer that she wanted printed. Oh, I know who you're talking um, about, Elsie. <laughs> yeah. Who, you know, she was so nice to me and very, like, polite. And um, she told me I was intelligent, which uh, I don't know. I don't think she was trying to flatter me. But um, I, it, I was fascinated. I was like, okay, here's a character that I'm going to have to, you know, study a little bit more. <laughs> for, for those of Maybe. you who aren't from where we are from, yeah. th- this person is like, she's a caricature, really. Uh, yeah. She's like a cartoon character, but yeah. in many ways, but it, yeah, not- just talking to her in person, like she seemed, she believes what she's saying. At least about this, she she was getting a a, a flyer copied um, about how marijuana can kill you, uh, how it's lethal, um, which is such a a rare. I, I mean, I, I know very little instances that people have actually died from smoking marijuana. No, I don't think it's ever happened. Um, Never right. documented. So it's, it's one thing to pass out, like, you know, be aware of the health risks of this. But, you know, it, this this was real, like, reefer madness propaganda <laughs> stuff. And, you know, I very politely explained to her that she could get it copied two-sided. <laughs> <laughs> with the color on one side and the black and white on the other and save on stapling and that extra sheet of paper, save some money. And she was, you know, very grateful. That's why um, you're intelligent in her eyes. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, exactly. Um, but she really seemed to, you know, believe it. And she's like, we have to get this information out there before these laws are passed and changed. And I was like, okay. But she's wrong, um, Kitty Bell. She's wrong. Um, yeah, sure. I, might, I agree with you. You know, she might seem but, nice, but... What she's doing is, is spreading misinformation and fear, and that's right. not going to help us make a good decision. No, and, and it's a perfect example of this is what has happened, you know, since the Nixon administration basically decided, oh, these teenagers are, you know, doing psychedelics and smoking pot, and now they don't want to fight in the war anymore. Now they see how we're all interconnected, and they're all about love, <laughs> and we can't control them. We better make these things illegal. You know, it's no coincidence that 1970, I think he said, is when psilocybin became illegal. Yeah. You know, this was very, all of this war on drug stuff was very orchestrated by the government. Yeah, because it does. I mean, I was, for some reason, over the last week or so, I got re uh, introduced and re into, I guess, uh, that great, great song by Rage Against the Machine, you know, Killing in the Name of. And oh, okay. You know that tune? I think I might have heard it, but it's not. I can't hear it in my head right now. Yeah, well, yeah. You, you don't hear it on the You're radio. You're going to play it, right? Well, I can only play it to a certain extent because okay. they say the F word in it. So, yeah, um, I might play a, a, a bit of it. That's a, that's a good idea. Uh, but anyway, it, it he and the band talks about how, you know, they what they're trying to do, and it's kind of conspiratorial, of course, and uh, but... In some ways, it's true that, you know, they want they want you to just do what they say so that they can control you. 
But mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to do what you say. I'm not just going to do what you say uh, because yeah. that's silliness. It's not. It's not uh, smart. And and that's basically, yeah, I think what you're getting at is oftentimes we just do what they say and we believe what they say. Mm-hmm. Often, or a lot of people do, you know. There's a lot of people out there who have paid no attention to marijuana laws um, for decades because they're ridiculous. Um, and, you know, just this idea of who's legislating what we're allowed to ingest and under what circumstances, circumstances I find fascinating. Um, in Michael Pollan's book, he's talking about when the Spanish in the 16th century came to Mexico and discovered, you know, the Aztecs were, you know, using these mushrooms in their spiritual practices and drove them underground. We didn't know they existed for hundreds of years because the conquistadors didn't want that messing with Catholicism. And, you know, you weren't allowed to have a direct connection to the divine. You had to go through, you know, the church and the priests and the, and the dogma. You weren't allowed to have that personal experience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, well, uh, well said. Not allowed to have a direct connection to the divine. Yeah, you had to go through the middleman, the church. Mm-hmm. And it's it's sort of a similar thing. I mean, if you look socially now, I mean, we need this more than ever. People need to have these spiritual experiences. You know, with no, you know, it doesn't. You don't have to put a, a god label on it. You can be an atheist and have a spiritual experience. It's um, acknowledge the fact that we are interconnected, or, or you know, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be a religious experience. Right. You know, but our society, because religion has failed us in so many ways we've turned away from it and and we're not making up with that with our own spiritual discoveries to replace it and and we're depressed and addicted because we don't feel connected you're absolutely right and i mean religion is man and in in a different form than spiritual spiritual in my view is bigger than when i say man i mean men and women I know yeah. that I'm so I'm so entrenched in in the sexist ways we describe things. I'm sorry. It's not your fault. You were you were raised that way, as I, we all were. Yeah, I'm trying. Um, uh-huh. But uh, yeah, it's, it's it's being spiritual is bigger than the day to day conscious, you know, sort of uh, manipula- manipulated and manipulatable uh, approach that we have uh, as 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 beings. Spiritual is bigger than that, and religion stymies that often i mean there are moments where you get spiritual uplift of course and and uh, epiphanies that are really higher and bigger than the consciousness uh but most of for me my experience it's it's really more about fear and guilt judgment categorizing people as you know right and wrong spirituality is better than that and you're right it has failed this religious religious pursuits we need to be spiritual though yeah we we need to practice compassion and, um, b- you know, being aware, being, you know, being conscious of our actions and what we're doing and what we're saying while we're in the moment, not, you know, a day later when we go, oh, I shouldn't have done that or said that, or I feel bad now that I hurt somebody's feelings, <laughs> you know, because I wasn't, I, I wasn't even 
in tune with what was wrong inside me and not taking care of my own wellness today. And, and we've, 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 we have a history of making fun of those people. Exactly. They're you know, weak. Of, they're, yeah. they're, they're weak or something. They're not mature. They're not real men or real women. Actually, that whole mentality, the man is, it's all about patriarchy. So the women are secondary in that whole mentality. Anyhow, you know, mm -hmm. the women are like that. It's okay if the women are like that though, right? Not the men. You can't be like that, you know, wanting to have spiritual connection and be, you know, soft and, 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 and be touched in a, in a, in a heartfelt way. But that's what the women are for. It's all part of that same sickness, that mentality. Mm -hmm. You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. And it is. It is a sickness. Absolutely. And and we're seeing the you know the the, the results of that the the symptoms of that sickness are you know all over society. It's I, I get so upset with my you know my friend who listens to conservative radio and you know is is convinced that you know that terrorists these terrorists these Islamic terrorists are the problem mm. that immigrants are the problem and it's like no we have so many other problems that are so much more of a threat that we're we're taught just to look right past and not pay any attention to and not pay any mind to because they don't want us to thrive who's they yeah exactly yeah you know, you know you can interpret that as you will i guess but the people who have the power that don't want to give it up right Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of folks... And it's not paranoid or conspiracy to say that. No. We, we know what loss aversion is. We know people who have power don't want to give it up. Right. They, they don't want to relinquish it. So, okay, fine, we're all equal, but but we're not going to give you anything. Right, right. It doesn't work. And we're not equal. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, yeah, we're all, hypothetically, sure, while I'm sitting here, I like to think of myself as one who supports that equi everybody, there's equi equity, and everybody has an, a fair shake, until you're on my lawn, until you're in my, you're in my uh, area of exper expertise or my business, and then I'm going to say, get the hell out, and you can't come in. Uh, yeah. Because, yeah, it's mine. Though I like the blacks, sure they're great, you know, or 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 the gays, yeah, I think they're really wonderful. The again, that word the, right? Yeah, otherizing anybody is a problem. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, sometimes I travel in circles like that, you know. I don't know how I get there. Uh, they make a mistake, and I, I slide into a party where folks of that, and I'm judging now too. I understand that, uh, mm -hmm. but you know, I don't. I feel like I, I'm I'm I shouldn't be there, and I hear talk and I and allusions made and implications that are floating around where you know that's a special little click and and it, you know how uh, how how everybody else outside of that click is is viewed is is as as a you know, secondary lesser not as important not as mm -hmm. a not as successful you know quote unquote right or or these people earned what they have and these people haven't had a chance to be exposed to those things or, or you know or have those resources so therefore you know they don't have any potential they don't have any value to share with us right, right. that's that argument i just heard i think right. it was last night you know these these immigrants coming from south america don't even speak spanish <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> so? Oh. <laughs> and that's a problem. Why? You know? Oh, they don't have, they're not educated. They, they're, they're, they can't read. Well, so that's to say if they don't have the opportunity to learn that they can't make a contribution. Right. You know, just because these people were, you know, born into a, a certain life of privilege, they're more worthy than people who haven't even had a chance. In their minds, yes, they are. Yes. And who's to say that this, you know, native Indian, in what, you know, from South America doesn't have something to offer us that we don't even know about? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You're, you're, oh, yeah. You're, Drives me crazy. I can tell. so angry. <laughs> Kitty Bell Burbank on the program, ladies and gentlemen, regular contributor. And uh, Who decides what's important? You uh, know? Not me. Uh, well, I do in my own world, I suppose. And I, but I'm so conflicted you know, oftentimes with the the day-to-day -day struggles just to make ends meet and and uh you know to be honest too to to go out and and start questioning these these clear and uh i guess injustices uh you put you put yourself in a in a spotlight where if if you don't have the means to to uh pay your bills and to support your family support yourself you might be jeopardizing your access to those means because now you're looked at as a troublemaker, as a freak, you know, uh, or what have you. So it's uh, oftentimes it, it really is. It's tough to point these things out um, to a great extent because you're hasn't stopped LC. <laughs> well, that's be you're you know what? That's a great she's on the other side of it. You're right. I mean, uh -huh. she's ultra, ultra conservative where I would consider myself more liberal and yeah. and I'm talking about doing that, but yeah, she's. She, I guess she has a good business of her own. She's a businesswoman, and, and yeah. And uh, I was has, reading her bio. I was like, wow. If I didn't really know what her politics were, I'd be like, what a role model. What an impressive person, right? <laughs> well, yeah. What an empowered woman this is. Well, it's sort of like number forty-five. You know, who would yeah. think that he'd get enough support to be president, and 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 keep it? But he has. There right. are enough people out there who support that extreme is what I would call it. I don't think that's his views are mainstream. I don't think LC's views, a, a local politician in, in Northeastern Pennsylvania, I don't think her views are mainstream, but there are enough people to support her. And well, support and she him. has conviction. I guess. And she could fear monger too. The fear mongering always helps because people that might not otherwise totally support 45 or, or LC, they will support their policies if they're afraid enough to do so. Mm-hmm. Because, it sounds better than what the other people are saying, so okay. Wow. We, we you know, we went from um, some psychedelics to, you know, so if we all do mushrooms and smoke marijuana, do you think uh, the country would... <laughs> I think the psychedelics thing is really, I mean, we're going to see something here. Um, this book, Michael Pollan's book just came out in 2018. I guess it was one of the New York Times, like top 10 books of the year or something. Um, so a lot of people have read it and are probably still going to read it. He's not obscure at all. Uh, his work is well regarded. But like I even saw Gwyneth Paltrow saying, a lot's going to happen. She, she's not claiming that she's taken anything. But, you know, she sees that the research is being done and she's saying, you know, psychedelics are, are going to be happening. Well, don't don't, some, you know. don't people microdose now? Like they take little hits, minor hits of acid, uh, mm -hmm. and and so and they do it while they're daily in their daily, you know, uh, functioning, not like home hanging out necessarily. Right. 
Uh, and, that, and it's supposed to help with stress or with navigating the world. Mood, yeah. Is that happening Mood. already? Well, I, you know, I've heard a bit. I've read a, a bit about it. Uh, I did watch an episode of High Maintenance, that HBO program, which I think is fantastic uh, in oh, ma okay. many ways, many ways. But there was a, a dentist who was who did a little bit too much of the microdosing to the point where he lost his mind. And he was doing strange, not a dentist, he was a veterinarian. He was doing strange things in the vet office. <laughs> but that was for humor's sake. You got to watch. Yeah. That's the thing. When things are unregulated, that's part of the problem. You know, if you regulate right. these things and, right. you, and you do have experts who are monitoring, then, then there are, as you said, earlier there there there's a lot of value uh to help us with with a, a lot of the problems and a lot of the i guess we're stuck in many ways as you so what clearly uh, stated earlier and i think accurately stated earlier because many of the institutions and the ways that we have relied on for for a long long time have have, have failed us and now there's a void and we don't know we don't know where to go from here mm-hmm and maybe yeah. maybe this these things can help psychedelics and 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 THC cannabinoids. Yeah, I definitely see that as a you know there's going to be a line drawn somewhere where we're going to evolve. <laughs> you know, again, hopefully in a in a more positive way going forward. Because yeah, we've I don't know you could say that 45 is rock bottom. Um, yeah. Or not, or you know, the last desperate cry of of you know that that white male power desperate to hang on. Um, that I mean, they the the reason they don't want immigrants in this country is because they don't want the the color of the voting body to change, and and it is people are blending. <laughs> you know, they're they're losing their grip. They're not going to be the majority, and you know, all is lost. Yeah. Yeah. Well put. Now we, we only have a several more minutes. I, I, I know you want to talk. Uh, we talked a bit about psychedelics some politics, yeah. culture, uh, very, very uh, interesting a little history, bringing up Nixon and the like. Let's, um, mm -hmm. let's talk about misogyny. You want to talk about misogyny uh, yeah. via a particular artist and writer. Yeah. Yeah. It's so ingrained. Like we, we don't realize that, I mean, we have it, even, uh, you know, women accidentally are, you know, discriminating against other women without even realizing it. And um, I think that the Mindy Project, which I had to watch for school, just really brought this t up to me in a new way. You know, when you think about so many fans of The Office, I mean, everybody loves, everybody I run into, you say you're from Scranton, they love The Office, right? Yeah. I mean, how many of those same people have watched The Mindy Project? Here you have a woman who was one of these writers in the writer's room for eight seasons, wrote 45 episodes. Her humor is, you know, all through that show. She gets her own solo project and nobody watches it. And you think um, that's because of misogyny? I, I think it partially is. Yeah. You know, here's it's because it's. We're still having trouble with women-centered stories. I think her character, and this is something she said in an interview I was listening to, she didn't do a good job at, um, she didn't, she doesn't want to be a play likable character. She thinks this idea of likable women that, you know, women have to, to be likable uh, is, you know, extremely offensive. And, you know, who decides what is likable? Usually it's, you know, the, the male producers who are in charge of everything 
um, decide how women are allowed to behave or not allowed to behave, you know, in these fictional ways. And but these are our role models. So she she sort of confused that with relatability. And I think part of that idea was her character on the office that she played as an actress, which isn't like her at all, um, was not likable and maybe wasn't as relatable as it could have been. So that even though she's a brilliant comedy writer who her pilot was actually rejected by NBC, it ended up having to go to Fox first and then got canceled after three seasons before it went to Hulu. Um, People, I mean, and then it's called the Mindy Kaling Project. People don't know who she is, right? They don't understand even that she was a writer <laughs> to begin with. What was they her character know. on The Office? I can't remember the name. Kelly Kapoor. Yeah, she Kelly. was a right. sort of love interest of B.J. Novak's character um, yeah. and was kind of treated very badly. I mean, she was kind of a... She was desperate, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Not a very flattering no. portrait of, of women, um, but also... I mean, when you get to to know her work better, you can kind of see the the satire exactly satire. in it. But yeah. people didn't get it. Just like they didn't I get Archie they, Bunker, they thought he was a guy, you know a guy to be like. You yeah, know. very yeah. similar, very very similar actually. So you know, she does this show about a an OBGYN, a doctor who you know is obsessed with romantic comedies, and right off the bat, she's saying something interesting. Here's this very professional woman, you know. Educated, but then she, you know, is kind of ignorant when it comes to books, and it, it's. But um, but anyway, she's obsessed with getting a, a man, and it's kind of like, well, that's that's uncomfortable, you know. And then she's surrounded by all these white guys, which people criticized her for. But I mean, if you look back to the the office writers room it was like her and a bunch of white guys <laughs> so, so, so that storyline you just explained that was part of the Mind- mindy kalin project though yeah yeah, yeah and it was that's... yeah the character kelly was similar in a way desperate to get a man yeah, yeah. so it's kind of a but that's not who who mindy is she yeah. has a, a child and she's not married and she doesn't even we don't even know who the dad is it's like not part of what's going on she's very um very ambitious um, I just heard a really good interview with her and Reese Witherspoon and, and Oprah talking about how that's an um, unlikable characteristic about women. Women aren't supposed to be ambitious and they're trying to kind of reclaim that. Like, why not? <laughs> why aren't? But then all these things like, so why didn't I watch the Mindy Project? Well, I don't know. I, because it, you're also uh, influenced by, well, that can't be that good. You know, women yeah. aren't funny. Uh, you know, that's, that's part of uh, a notion that's out there too. Women aren't as funny as men, which is, you know, Sarah Silverman cracks me up for one, you know, and mm-hmm. there's many other women as, as well. But, uh, I know she, she's one of my favorite female, um, uh, stand up uh, and uh, comedic uh, artists. Anyhow, we need to, we, we need to wrap it up. Can you believe it? Right. Kitty Bell. You know, well, I'm just going to say, if you liked The Office, I think that you should go back and give The Mindy Project a chance. That's all I'm going to say, because it's some of the I, I have not like laughed out loud in the way that I did in for a really long time until I watched um, some of that show recently. I, I, and I I'm going to do it. I mean, my wife uh, and Mindy Kalen, they both graduated from the same college or university. Okay. And, yeah. and my wife has been saying lately that I pick all the stuff on TV, yeah. you know, uh, and and uh 
I, I, I really have to reflect on that. Like I'm being this male dominant guy, you know, with the right. With the and women watch men's stories all the time. So, so I, why can't a man enjoy a story? I mean, there's plenty of great guy characters on there that men can enjoy also. The, but the Mindy Kaling project. Yeah, I'm gonna I do it. it. Good, gonna, good, good. I'm so happy that I that I dropped acid before our interview today. It was so apropos. <laughs> <laughs> How colorful it became. Uh, uh, very colorful. Um, but you're always a pleasure to talk with Kitty Bell Burbank. Good luck with the last few weeks working toward your master's degree in uh, what is it again? In uh, MFA writing and screen for screen and stage. Beautiful, and I can't wait to see some of the some of the uh, great works that you come up with in the near future. Me too. I can't wait to write another play. I'm doing two TV pilots right now, which has been great because I never did all that before. But I, I really want to get back to theater. So I can't wait. Thank you. For, thank you so much for sharing time with us and your energy. Thank you for having me. Take care. Okay. You too. Bye bye. On the unpaved road, I was fifty-seven dollars from being broke. Kissed my mama and my sisters, and I said goodbye. And with my suitcase packed, I wiped the tears from my eyes. Times they were tough. Growing up at home, my daddy lost the farm when I was two years old. Took a job at the prison, working second shift, and that's the last time I'll let them take what should be his. Change the past 
A piece from the New Yorker magazine, March 25, 2019, by Henry Alford, titled, Good Morning, Moon. The wish to turn night into day is not exclusive to casino operators and hedgehogs. Scientists in China recently announced a plan to replace Chengdu's streetlights with an artificial moon or illumination satellite by sometime next year. The fake moon would reflect sunlight from across the solar system, providing a glow roughly eight times brighter than that provided by the real moon. If Chengdu, more than 15 times larger in area than New York City, can do it, could New York? Could the city that never sleeps upgrade itself to the city that knocked sleep upside the head? A call was placed to Roald Sagdiv, a physicist. In principle, there would be no technical difficulty to create such a moon in New York City, he said, but it would be quite expensive. The moon would likely be made of an aluminum or silver-coated plastic and would orbit about 300 miles above Earth, or 238,500 miles closer than the real moon. Louis D. Friedman headed a NASA study on solar sails in the 1970s. The moon, he surmised, would be manufactured with ripstops in it, like you have with camping gear, so if you got a tear from a micrometeorite, the tear wouldn't propagate. How big a piece of shiny plastic are we talking about? When we did the Halley's Comet rendezvous mission in the late 70s, a failed plan to have a spacecraft monitor the celestial visitor, the design was something like 15 kilometers in diameter, Friedman said. I imagine that would just cover Brooklyn. No question, a moon for New York would need to be huge, and it would need huge support from residents. New Yorkers spend about half a billion dollars a year on blackout shades. I worry that night is something that people look forward to, Richard Florida, an urban studies theorist at the University of Toronto, said. People are already concerned about light pollution. Deborah Burke, the dean of the Yale School of Architecture, said, My fear is that a New York version would be like the subway, creaky, old, and late. Peter Moskos, a former Baltimore cop who teaches at John Jay College of Criminal Justice, said, It strikes me as a luminary nightmare. The idea that more lighting is better for fighting crime is wrong. Better lighting is better. If we can put out pleasant candlelight and have people sitting outside at tables, that's how you make the city safe, in the Jane Jacobs sense of getting people out on the street. Before a New York moon could be seriously considered, difficult conversations would need to be had about its draw as a tourist attraction, its effects on wildlife, and the increased stress it would put on parents getting their children to fall asleep in a newly Scandinavianized lightscape. If this moon were more of a decorative or holiday thing, there's likely to be more support, Florida said. Burke proposed a bi-purpose, daylight saving orientation. Between Thanksgiving and Valentine's Day, it would be up in the sky from 4.30 to 7.30 when it gets dark and depressing. Then in the summer, you would fold it up, flip it over, and drop it down onto the side of the East River, and it could be a beach. It probably 
doesn't help that a similar fake moon plan devised by Russia fizzled. In 1990, engineers tried to use an orbital mirror launched from the Mir space station to warm the country's dark northern regions with reflected sunlight. The project was abandoned when the mirror, an 83-foot-wide sheet of mylar, failed to unfurl and was incinerated in space, like a prom decoration caught in an intergalactic bug zapper. Five years ago, Martin Anderson, an artist in Rukan, Norway, successfully lobbied his town, situated in a deep valley, to install three jumbo mirrors on a mountaintop in order to bring a regular blast of sunlight to Rakan's dim main square. Anderson is enthusiastic about the New York moon concept. At the very least, he said, it would make for some nice crime scene photos. Baby, are you having fun? If you 
Here's a little ghost for the offering. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here's a truck stop instead of St. Peter's. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mr. Train. This train of thought is fraught with potential distractions, knee-jerk reactions, veiled inclinations toward self-satisfaction, and I sit here ready to stand, wondering where this tickle in my throat might go, yo. is ruination so don't burn the cattle at both ends no no don't burn the cattle at both ends you can't stay up all day and all night you just can't do it it just ain't right so don't burn the cattle at both ends now one woman is fine two is enough three i'll allow but four is too rough redheads are out brunettes are no better so stay away from them gals with them pretty sweaters did you feel that prescription like the doctor said three times a day and eight hours in bed those rings under your eyes, look how they've grown. They're so big they got rings of their own. Too many cigarettes bring a big doctor bill. If women don't kill, your nicotine will. So you better get some rest while you can. You can't argue with the undertaker, man. So don't burn the cattle at both ends. Don't burn the cattle at both ends. And girls, if you really want my advice, and you want a wedding with shoes and rice, you can't do it. Don't burn the cattle at both ends. Now, when a guy takes you to dinner and gets real chummy, careful what you put in your tummy. Let him keep that seafood high on the shelf. If you order oysters, don't make a pig of yourself. Go to bed at 5 and wake up at 5.30, you think you look like Hedda Lamar, look like Gravel Gertie. Listen, housewives, if you lead a fast life, you wind up looking like John's other wife. That old man of yours won't make a buck, because when he has to lift that load in that truck, with all that dissipation and coffee in his cup, believe me, sister, he won't lift it up. So don't burn the candle at both ends. No, no, don't burn the candle at both ends. You living and loving much too fast. If you got a good thing, you better make it last. Don't burn the candle at both ends. Now your body's like a car. Don't let it get weak. Better check that motor so that radiator won't leak. When it gets worn out, you won't be able to trade it. So every thousand miles, lubricate it. Cause if you're not careful, I see trouble ahead. You wake up one day and find yourself dead. Don't burn the candle at both ends. No, no, don't burn the candle at both ends. You can't have your cake and still eat it. And there you have it. Episode 313 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, our good friend and regular contributor, Kitty Bell Burbank. I also would like to thank writer Henry Alford and these musical artists, Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, Kamasi Washington, Rage Against the Machine, Margot Price, the New York Jazz Lounge, R.E.M., Louis Jordan, and of course, Branford Marsalis and Terrence Blanchard, too. Until next week, let's give it a go and try to enjoy this one. Thanks so much for listening.